Hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we're here to talk about all the things going on in the Big Ten. We'll just call this the Purdue episode because I'm sandwiched in between two boilers, and uh, what an episode to have dueling boilers on. I know both these guys are excited to talk about the huge Purdue win over Arizona. We had some Arizona fans commenting, so uh, Arizona fans, if you're back here, Welcome back. We're going to talk a little bit about how good Purdue is, but we'll I'll make sure to give at least a few flowers to Arizona because they are a good team, and, and uh, we have to also bolster up Purdue's resume because uh, Northwestern wasn't really helping with that against Chicago State last week. But we won't talk about that. Well, we have another Northwestern game to talk about with them. But before we get started, I'm let these guys introduce themselves, tell you where you can find them out. Russ, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so, uh, of course, if you watch – this much you've seen me a few times on here i'm with boiler express podcast also with the big banter network you can find us anywhere you find podcasts youtube facebook twitter just search boiler express and you'll find us talking all things purdue mainly football and basketball but we get into other stuff too and uh, we have a good time over there we get off the rails a little bit sometimes but uh yeah come check us out for sure for sure and dakota why don't you tell people about you where they can find you at Absolutely. You can find me on most social media platforms at Boiler in Texas on YouTube as well. Same name. I do host the Runaway Train Sports Podcast occasionally. The end of the year is kind of kicking me in the schedule a little bit with that. We're hoping to get back into that as uh, basketball season is getting rolling here. So primarily on social media right now. It's never easy around this time of year to uh, put out podcasting content, but we're doing our best here, and uh, and I know everybody else is doing their best as well. So thank you, everybody, for watching. we got 10 viewers in here. Sunday night episode is always doing its best and i've noticed we do a better after a big purdue win so uh, i'm sure we have a few boilermakers in here with us uh before we get started i just want to remind you if you're watching please do like and subscribe we appreciate that that helps put the podcast out there more and if you're listening on podcast after the fact please do give us a rating and subscribe there as well we're also brought to you by big banter sports bigbantersports.com for all your big 10 media needs all right guys let's get into it our first game obviously we had to start with it uh purdue Arizona, I I, I want to talk about Zach Eady first and foremost, but I feel like I do that every time. And I feel like Purdue has a big three. And when all three of the big three are going and they're clicking, I don't know if there's a single team in the nation that can stop uh, Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, Zach Eady when they're clicking like this. Russ, I'll give you the floor first. What were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, we we talked about it uh, before we came on. It's it's kind of like okay, what now? What what do you got for Purdue now? What what excuse do you have for, you know, why we're winning or how you're going to beat us or what you're going to do? Like you said, Arizona fans were pretty chatty last week talking about, you know, oh he hasn't faced a guy like Balo and man, look at all these weapons we have. And you know, we talked about on Boiler Express last week how Edie's faced the same stuff when he played Kofi for the first time, right? Everybody's like, you know, Kofi was the big guy in Illinois. He was a big dude. The first guy that really could go toe-to-toe or they thought could go toe-to-toe with Edie. And everybody was talking about how is Edie going to handle it, how they how they're going to handle this, how's Purdue going to figure this out. And Edie, after the game, he was like, look, everybody wanted to talk about how Purdue was going to handle Kofi, how I was going to handle Kofi, but nobody wanted to talk about how were they going to handle us, right? Purdue had four guys averaging double figures, right? Lance Jones averages double figures along with those big three, right? And, you know, Painter talks about it over and over again, that Edie – has not faced anything that he hasn't seen before now at this point in his career, right? You want to double him up from up top. You want to double him from his left shoulder, from his right shoulder. You want to let him eat. You want to play physical with him. Like, whatever you want to do, like, he's seen it before. So, and Fletch and Braden are now second-year guards, right? They're much more consistent. They've also seen even more in the Big Ten. They've seen more nationally. And, you know, the fouls was the big thing, right? Like, one of the, the crazy statements I heard last week um, from a guy on this show, you'll have to watch it to, to hear what was said last week, was was look at the way that the fouls aren't balanced. Look at how many fouls are called on Purdue and how many fouls are, you know, for, well, what are we supposed to balance? Are we supposed to balance if one coach gets a tech, is the other coach supposed to get a tech? Like, if it's a foul, it's a foul, right? Like, look at out-of-bounds calls. We'll talk about a big one in the IU game. Like, if an out-of-bounds call goes for one team the next team, the next play, you call it the other way? Like, no, you call it the way that the game's actually being played, right? Like Alabama wanted to complain about fouls too, but they shot over 70% of their shots from behind the three-point line. How are you going to get Edie in foul trouble if you're not challenging him? You know, and in the, even in this game, there was fouls called on Edie where he was like straight up in the air, didn't even move, and they still called a foul on him. Like that's how Edie plays defense. Like if you watch Purdue play, Edie doesn't – he's not really a lockdown defender down low, right? He still gets guys that have beautiful turnaround layups and go right over the top of him, and they're like, oh, he went over the top of him. I can't believe it. Well – 
Weedy's not trying to get fouls. Like he's not trying to foul people. He's not trying to get all the blocks. So, but yeah, I mean, even in this game, we barely had a free throw discrepancy. Barely. Like I think we had like 19 to their 16 mm-hmm. and we by eight points, right? Because Braden and Fletch went off. Like we cracked the curse with the Wilson basketball all of a sudden. Like, you know, so I don't, I don't know what, you know, like it's, this team is a final four caliber team. Like I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not going to jinx it. Yes. You still have to get it done in Mark. Arizona is also a final four caliber team. Like you, it's one thing to be of that caliber and actually make the run. I get that, but enjoy this Purdue fans. Like enjoy what you're seeing. Even big 10 fans. This is the first team in the big 10 history to be number one, three years in a row. Like enjoy it. It's okay to enjoy the regular season. It's okay to enjoy beating the number one team. Like have fun. That's all I gotta say. I guess I'll, <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let somebody else talk now. <laughs> have fun. And I told these guys, I would say it, have fun. And when your team plays them, just, you know, die but do it enjoyably i guess because that's what purdue's gonna do to pretty much every single team they face now northwestern got them because boo booey uh did what boo booey does and just went off massive credit to boo booey for doing that uh but at the end of the day purdue's not gonna lose more than two or three games in the big 10 maybe four this season because that's just who they are um and when your team plays them you're probably going to lose, and it's okay. It's okay to say that. Um, as an Ohio State fan, I don't ever want to see my team lose, but I know when we play them, if we play them close, that's what I uh, can take away from that. But Dakota, I'll let you get back to the game. What were your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Russ got to hit the whole thing on the head. I mean, this is the perfect example of why we need to be enjoying this. I mean, Purdue's won 33 regular season non-conference games in a row, including – any basically any high major team you want to list them i mean Purdue's probably beaten them um i remember it's social media can be a little frustrating sometimes where i remember putting out a tweet before the game saying that this is kind of the perfect scenario for this purdue team right now you're facing an arizona team that was number one in the country playing very very well destroying teams but maybe hadn't been tested quite to the level that purdue had and i said that going into this game it was effectively a win-win because this if you lose arizona it's never going to be a bad loss and if you win it's essentially gravy and I had a lot of people come to me saying like, oh, loser talk, yada, yada, yada. Um, but I think I just look at it as you just have to enjoy these these moments. I mean, Purdue is playing probably the best basketball that I've ever seen played in the college game just based on the balance that they have. I mean, you saw it exactly in this game. And obviously, Fletcher Lawyer, got to talk about him. Braden Smith can't leave him out either. Zach Eady probably has, if you can call it, a very low-key, ho-hum, 22-9 um, type of game but I think what you saw the most in this game is exactly what Purdue needs to do going forward um, I don't think they were force-feeding Zach because that's not what Arizona was giving them um, but at the same time as the game progresses you see the the way Purdue run offense kind of shift and change Fletcher starts hitting and then all of a sudden you have two guys following him off the screen which leaves a Braden Smith wide open or provides a lane passing lane into Zach Eady, who Arizona thankfully was Playing him sort of a semi one-on-one down in the low post. And so he was able to feast and get his. Um, I'm so happy that we got a good Fletcher Lawyer game. I mean, it just seems like every once in a while in these big games, he'll come out and give you 27, four steals, um, and just showed up everywhere. Um, and it's just massive. And then obviously Braden Smith, uh, I feel like you're jumping around all over the place, but that's just kind of what this game was for for everyone. Braden, obviously, killer. Um murderers in this pick and roll game that he's running with Zach Eady because Arizona, I mean, I mentioned it before the game started that Arizona plays one of the deepest, hardest drops in that pick and roll coverage. And so I said, he might go for 30 just based on that, because he's going to get to that 15 foot pull up that he hits. It feels like a hundred percent of the time. It feels like it's almost automatic. And it's just, I mean, what do you do? I mean, you have Fletcher lawyer hitting three after three Arizona tries to throw pretty off by doubling Zach off the strong side, immediate kick back out for another three. You have Trey Kaufman-Wren, who I want to give a huge shout-out. May not have showed up big in the box score, but it's that first stint, that first eight-minute stint, which I have to tangent briefly, which is probably one of the most beautiful eight-minute stints of basketball I think I've ever seen, um, came up huge in that first stint. You saw Mason Gillis do Mason Gillis things. Even Caleb first came in and uh, made Sean Johnson's life a little harder down the stretch when uh, he started was going off in the first half. I mean, you just look at this Purdue team and you you look around and say, yeah, they had three guys do all the scoring. But at the same time, that's all you needed in this one. And all the other guys did exactly what they needed to do to get this to get this win. It it was one of the most fun basketball games I think I've ever seen. And the fact that Purdue was in it and came out on top is just icing on the cake for me. 
Well, one of the reasons why guys like Braden Smith and Fletcher Warrior were able to play so well is because you got point guard Zach Eady in this game, led the team in assists. I mean, Zach Eady, he he is smarter this year than he was last year. Um, and that's not to say he wasn't smart last year because he was really smart last year too. But this year, he sees the double coming. He sees where his guys are spotted up, ready to shoot. And his guys aren't just shooting this year too. When he passes, they're making a play. They're dribble driving. They're kicking to somebody else. They're getting other people involved. Um, I think Lance Jones could have had a much bigger game. Well, he was, what, one for six from three. So he could have had a bigger game there. But, I mean, how much can you really complain? Because you had Braden Smith and Fletcher Lurr both almost get 30. Um, so, so at the end of the day, like th- this wasn't the story of Braden Smith went off. This wasn't the story of Zach Eady, uh, which is too much to handle. This was the story of Purdue put together a complete game. Maybe would have liked to see a little bit more on defense, but they were still very, very good on defense. I mean, this is an outstanding Arizona offense that they were trying to stop. Uh, so we got to give credit there as well. But uh, at least offensively, I don't know if you're going to see a better offensive performance in the regular season in college basketball this year. Uh, Russ, am I right there? Am I wrong? What are your thoughts? Well, that's, that brought up one other point that I I heard going around a little bit. I think field of, well, I won't, I won't mention the name, but I I already started to, (laughs) there's another pod that that loves to, nobody knows what pod you're talking about. (laughs) about There's some people that throw out some Purdue hate still, even after a game like that. And they want to say, well, Purdue had to play a perfect game to be able to beat Arizona. We went like six plus minutes without a field goal in the second Eight half. Plus at one minutes. Point. Eight plus, yeah. I was, after I was they happy. took off the the basket interference. Yeah, we, we, it was an eleven to negative two run, basically, right? Like because we mm-hmm. like literally lost two points during that run that they gave us. But like we we literally went almost half the second half without without hitting a field goal, and we still won this game by eight points, like comfortably won this game. So you know, yes, Purdue put together a masterful. 30 out of 40 minutes, but we still won even without putting a full 40 minutes together, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. Uh, What were your thoughts, Dakota? Yeah, I mean, just building off that exact point, I mean, how are you going to have a game where you score 92 points, but you go eight minutes without a field goal? And I think that just plays into exactly one of my favorite quotes from Fletcher Lawyer after that game, which you you look at that game and that box score and you say, man, Purdue played very, very well. But even I agree entirely with Fletcher Lawyer when he said that Purdue still hasn't played their best basketball yet this year be- exactly because those three guys go off but then you look down the list you see Lance Jones go one for six you see Jake Hoffman and have a very solid quiet night you see Mason Gillis kind of really struggled to get going um Miles Colvin and Camden Heine really didn't make much of an impact like many of us hoped they would and so I still think that there's a lot a long way for this Purdue team to go and I think that's a very scary thought for both the Big Ten and the rest of the country yeah and another guy I mean uh Another guy I have to give credit for because I I just I don't know and I think you said it earlier Dakota Trey Kaufman Ron I mean the dude he doesn't show up on the stat sheet every single game but the impact he has in this game energy wise I think just like other guys building off what he does he does the little things here and there that you need him to do um, and, and Purdue needs a guy like that uh, Lance Jones. Uh, he kind of does that as well. I mean, he still got nine uh, last night, even when he went, what, one for six, we said, from three. Uh, so he does that really, really well. But uh, Kaufman Wren, I I really like this kid. He's probably never going to be a star in college basketball if I had if I had to bet. But he's a really, really good role player who it doesn't show up on the box score, but he does what needs to be done. So uh, any more thoughts on this game before we move on, guys? I mean, what more can you really say? So one, you want to sing their praises one more uh, time? <laughs> oh, I mean, let me wax poetic about Purdue here. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, honestly, this was this was one of the most fun basketball games I I think I might have ever seen. Um, I think the, the refs show did kind of get a little iffy there towards the end, but I thought that actually officiating in this game was very well done, very well. I think both teams more. I said this multiple times during the game too that we were definitely watching one of the two of the three best teams in college basketball play go at it against each other and i have nothing but good things to say about arizona most of their fans are okay at least they took it better than than some but i mean caleb love going off for 24 kashawn johnson was amazing 24 points i mean even balo got ended up with his his 13 um i mean this was this is what college basketball is all about and i would take this 100 times out of 100 and over like the purdue tennessee game um, it's just the nine day difference, and that's what college basketball is all about. Yeah, yeah and, and sh- shout out Go to the team. Down, shout out to the team down south because had mm-hmm. they not ruined the Crossroad Classics, this game would have never happened. So thank yeah, you hey, all. 
Thank you. Gotta gotta give them their props when yeah. they deserve it. They you know they said we're too good for this. We got to go to Kansas and lose. We got to play Arizona and lose. We got to play Kansas at home and lose. And you know what? Purdue will take that Arizona spot in Indy and we'll take that dub. Speaking of that team, IU played Kansas, and man, it was quite the start for IU. Uh, Assembly Hall was was bouncing. I could tell just by watching it on TV. Those fans were excited. Those players were excited. I think I saw Mackenzie Mbako just like scream in one of the Kansas players' face at one point. I was like, yes, I love to see that. And especially from him, a guy that has been a little up and down this season, uh, but really able to kind of feed off that energy and do that. But um, ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I just, I felt like IU, uh, fatigue set in. Their starters were the only ones that were giving him anything, and even one of their starters couldn't give him points. He gave him everything else that he could, but he couldn't give him points. Um, and at the end of the day, I think Kansas—they just—they they were too deep, and they had the—they had the legs, they had the energy to make it through this game. Um, talking about that other podcast that you were talking about, Russ, I, I heard them talk about how like Kansas just went in and they're like, "Yeah, we're the better team, and we're going to beat them." I—I I don't think so. I don't think Kansas is that much better of a team than IU. Uh, Kansas has role players in Hunter Dickinson. They do not have a star. They do not have Culler. McCuller is a good player. Uh, you know, this Furphy guy, he's a good player. They, they have good players. They do not have a star player on their team. And I think Indiana exposed them in a lot of ways when all they have is really Hunter Dickinson to make things happen for him. Uh, Dakota, I'm curious on your thoughts on this game. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head that I, I've been a, a pretty vocal component. Uh, proponents uh basically since maui that i don't think this kansas team is as good as everyone seemed to think they were coming into the year now granted they definitely deserved a lot of credit going into the year but i think this performances we've seen from them so far this season um definitely hasn't lived up to the hype granted they're 10 and 1 they've won 10 games they've only lost the one in maui um, but at the same time it's like they're really they're four deep um realistically and even their shooting isn't the best i mean they end up six of 18 in this one but I, I'm definitely I'm definitely more of a, a pessimist when it comes to to Kansas. Um, but going into this game, I think they were also the perfect matchup to win this game versus Indiana. And I I made this note when I was watching it back earlier today. How much like do we think this game impacts just the difference in where Kansas is as a program right now, or where Indiana is as a program right now? Obviously, two both both blue bloods have long histories of success, but I just felt like about 10 minutes left in the second half of this game. You could feel that momentum shift. Indiana was up 10. There was going really well. And then all of a sudden, Kansas gets gets a stop, gets a bucket, gets a foul, and one goes a line. And then all of a sudden, it's like you could feel the momentum it, like just leaving. And I feel like Indiana just didn't have an answer for them. And so it was just, I mean, Indiana played a fantastic game. You get Trey Galloway's best game of his career, 28 points on 12 of 17 shooting. Um, I don't think you could ask for literally anything more than that. Mackenzie Abaco, best game of his career so far in Indiana, 14 points. And granted, he was dealing with some foul trouble there down the stretch. Um, I think my biggest question mark is obviously not that it's his fault, Gabe Cups. Um, obviously, forcing him into starting lineup, true freshman. I mean, he's being asked to do some things that maybe he wasn't expecting or really should be expected to do at this point. Um, but I think he pass first point guard you know he's going to give you what he's going to give you um i think my biggest question mark coming out of this game for indiana is kill where obviously he's feasted on against some low major competition yeah he had 11 and 15 but on three of 12 shooting and i didn't see anything from him in this game in the biggest game of probably the season so far kansas at home you're rocking assembly halls fired up i mean he just he, he wasn't there for me and uh, like they probably played their best game of the season so far and it still just wasn't enough to win this type of game when i think uh, as a program indiana's probably expecting to win this game more times than not well yeah especially when you have a start like that and you have a lead that they had i forget what their lead got up to but they, 13. They, 13 i mean they mm-hmm. had a sizable lead um in this game and it, it just hurts to lose that lead i agree with you on kalel where to a certain extent i was very up and down with him on this game i felt like there were times where he did something and i was like yes that's what you want out of him and then there were also times where it's like dude what are you doing like you have to get down there you have to bang you have to you know make the plays happen in the paint uh and hunter dickinson i mean he just kind of ate his lunch a few times and um i mean i think all of us can say here none of us here are hunter dickinson fans so um you know uh, so that was hard to watch but at the end of the day 
I think he battled well in his very first like true big man that's going to play him hard of the season. Um, I just hope he can build off of it this season and, and be challenged a little bit more with that as he gets into Big Ten play because he's certainly going to see a lot more of that in Big Ten play. Russ, what were some of your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so I'm not going to you know try to be too negative on you because uh, Burke's been a pretty good guy to us. Um, <laughs> he said some pretty nice things, and so you know I'll, I'll take it easy. But you know, if I'm an IU fan, I really got to be questioning kind of the the game plan and the play calling a little bit uh, because you know not just Killo Ware, but Malik Renew was five of thirteen. So they you know Ware and Renew combined for what eight of twenty five shooting, and it seemed like they had some kind of contract like. You know, like you talk about some of these pro teams that if if the running backs getting paid twelve million a year and the backups getting paid five hundred thousand a year, well, guess what? The the starter's going to get twenty five carries and the backups going to get three carries, even if they go for twenty yards every carry. So it's like I, it was like, especially in the second half, they just kept wanting to feed, renew, and feed, renew, and feed, renew, and he kept missing and missing and missing. And Kansas just made that run, took the lead, and went and won the game. And it's like if you have a guy like Trey Galloway, that's the hot hand, and Mbaku was having the best game of his his season so far, why would you not ride those hands? Why would you not just give them the ball, right? Like, that's what you saw that with the last game we talked about with Purdue. Like, you know, Braden and Fletch, they just kept giving them the ball because they were hot, right? Like, if they aren't hot, you don't see them take as many shots as what they did. But for some reason, like, they kept wanting to try to go at Hunter Dickinson because, yeah, he's not the greatest defender. He's elite offensively, I think, but his defense is definitely suspect. So it's like they had this game plan going in to say, hey, we need to attack down low because that's where where strengths are. Well, you've got to adapt in game. When you see a guy going off like Galloway or a guy having a game like Ibaka, you've got to you've got to shift that in game. You know, to to sit there and see them, I don't know if you saw the quote against Louisville where they beat Louisville basically as they switched to a zone. And the reason they switched to a zone is cuz some dude in the huddle is like, "Hey, hey Mike, let's let's run a let's run a zone." And he's like, "Okay, we'll give it a shot." So they switched to a zone and they win the game and after the game they're like, "Hey, did you know how how did that how, you know did you do you all practice that is that that's a great switch and he's like no we don't practice that at all like it just we we gave it a shot and it worked it's like so if I'm on a U fan I'm going hey look our team has obviously got the talent like we can compete with the big guys right like and I saw some crazy takes from IU fans look just because you lost to Kansas like that doesn't mean you deserve to be a top ten team I don't understand that transitive oh, property I love they're going, that I love that <laughs> they're going to that that oh, lane, that but, tweet sent me there's so many hoops. <laughs> But um, but I mean, yeah, they definitely have the talent to compete and to make a run and be a tournament team. But, you know, I'd be a little frustrated as an IU fan with why are we not riding the hot hand? Why are we not adapting to the game flow? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I definitely think there is some things to be said there. I think Malik Renew in this game changed when he started getting more and more in foul trouble. It seemed like he just was not playing as aggressive as he was at the beginning of the game. And, and I felt like that happened a bit with Mbako as well. He had, what, four fouls? Mm-hmm. Um, and Trey Galloway eventually fouled out, but I think that was late in the game. Yeah, it was like um, right at the end. Yeah, right at the end there. So, um, but, but I mean, you, you tell me, because I never, I, I never want to be the guy who blames the refs, Dakota. Um, but you tell me. Should IU fans at least uh, be a little bit upset with the refing of this game? Because it, def- it definitely did not seem uh, like it was doing IU any favors to me. Uh, listen, Purdue fans more than any are love to chat about refing uh, in college basketball games. And I will say that I think a lot of people, there was some conversation before the game even started. Um, there's a uh, Purdue fan who actually does officiating and knows a lot of it. He was even commenting saying that, this doesn't feel like the right crew that's going to be able to manage this game correctly. And I think we saw it a lot down the stretch. There were definitely some iffy calls um, specifically there towards the end, there, especially after review that that out of bounds call that ended up giving it uh, to Kansas before expertly trolling the Indiana crowd by giving the ball to Indiana and then reversing it back to Kansas. But I mean, unfortunately, this is just going to happen. Sometimes you're just going to get a crew that's not necessarily up to the challenge of this level of game. And while I don't, I'm also a proponent of you can't blame everything on the refs. Um, Indiana definitely didn't make the right adjustments and plays down the stretch to win the game, but I, you can't say the officiating helped at all either. So, all right, and I know, I know you guys hate the numbers argument, but just entertain me for a second, okay? McCuller Jr. Okay, scored 21 points, right? And we just went off about how Kalel Ware was three of 12. The dude was three of 11. He shot 16 free throws. 
Was he fouled? I, I, he was not fouled that much. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. He was not fouled that much. He was not, you know, just absolutely uh, Zach Eady down there where he's got cuts and bruises. I know I know you guys will like that one, so I shouted that one out for you. Uh, he's not got cuts and bruises like Zach Eady down there or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. Some of the fouls are warranted because, you know, they were fouling him down there. But at the end of the day, uh, the guy gets three for 11, 21 points. I, Russ, was it fair in your eyes? What did you think about the refing? Yeah, so uh, kind of like Dakota, you know, I don't, I, I definitely don't want to say, hey, the refs are the reason this happened or the reason that we lost the game or won the game. But I also am a fan of, or I'm an anti fan of the don't, well, don't let the refs decide the game then, like put the game out of the refs' hands. Well, that's not, that's not possible. And, and is it really fair to say if these two teams are even that one call should, should decide the game? Cause the other, the team that wins the game because of that call, you know, you could also say, hey, you should, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't put the game in the hand of the refs, and they had to, to to get that call. Like, you know, you have pitiful calls at the end of the game that if it's a one possession game and it's a possession call, like that is huge. That is huge because you got the team that might be up with you know less than thirty seconds left and have the lead. If you give them the ball, now it's an automatic foul situation. They can make it a two possession game. Whereas if the team behind has it and they're down one, down two, and they get the possession, they can go win the game. Like that's a game changing call. So yeah, I, I. You know, it's it's frustrating and there's nothing you can do about it, like if the call is made that way. But I definitely understand the frustration to say, hey, look, they didn't make the right call and that could have cost us the game. Like, you're right. But at the end of the day, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. So uh, but I, I would say, too, with McCullough's free throws, they were the guy that was the guy. It seemed like they were sending to the line like the last three or four or five times at the end of the game. So I feel like half those free throws were like the trying to extend the game free throws. So I will say that much. But right. Right. I mean, they. They definitely all weren't all, you know, uh, driving the lane and stuff like that. But still, like, it, I, I just didn't feel like he was getting fouled that much going down low. Um, yeah, it, I had a problem with it. So, uh, you got a fan in here, Dylan Russ, so handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dylan. Um, all right, guys, any more thoughts on that one? I think we covered that one pretty well. No, that's a tough one for Indiana, honestly. All right. Yeah, well, we'll get to uh, – they have coming back. They have risen. Michigan State, Tom Izzo comes back. I, I, I doubted him. I said, you guys aren't going to the tournament. And Tom Izzo just, you know, basically called me an idiot. Look at what I can do. Uh, Tyson Walker went off. I still don't know if the uh, front court was doing as much as maybe they should have, but at least Tyson Walker, I mean, it just felt like he was dragging this team, and he was like, I am not going to let anybody else lose this game for me. We're going to win this game, guys. Uh, Russ, what were some of your thoughts on the Michigan State win? Yeah, uh, congratulations, JR. You're officially bulletin board material for for Tom Izzo, like one of the greats in the game. Yep. So that's, I mean, that's huge. That's huge. But, I mean, yeah, it's – this is the game that, you know, in Michigan State, you think they're on the ropes, you think they're done, you think they're going to have a bad season. They'll win this game and then all of a sudden go win 12 games in the Big Ten, end up as like a five or six seed, make a sweet 16 run, and you're like, oh, that was the down year for Michigan State. Like, man. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're backcourt – or their frontcourt – or sorry, backcourt. I get those confused sometimes. Their backcourt definitely kind of got it going and kind of – it was like a get-right game for them. And it was huge to, to thump a top-10 team like that an undefeated top 10 team like that, like that's definitely a statement to say, Hey, look, don't close the door on our season yet. Like it still matters what happens in March and what matters in conference play. So um, it was, you know, if I'm Michigan state fan, you know, like Ohio state fan, I I feel better going into conference season than I might've felt two weeks ago. (laughs) I appreciate the shout out there. Um, Dakota, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think this was a game that I, I think I kind of expected Michigan State to win this one, especially after that loss at Nebraska, just because, I mean, this is their last opportunity to get that marquee non-conference win, and they played like a team desperate for a statement win, and I wasn't quite expecting this much of a statement win, but I mean, I I turned this game on expecting to kind of be really in tune with it and really just like excited to see what Michigan State was going to do, but I was flipping on, I was flipping channels by halfway through the first half just because Michigan State came out and was dominant from the run. I mean, Tyson Walker played like I think a lot of us expect Tyson Walker to to play. I mean, 4-4 four, four from 3 for 25 points. I mean, that's that's Tyson Walker should be playing every single game. Um, but you saw it. I think the biggest change that we saw in Michigan State in this one was the defensive intensity. Mm-hmm. I think that they played a lot more cohesively on that side, and they definitely used their athleticism. Um, to their advantage in this one, especially once they kind of really started to put it on that danger zone level for Baylor. I think Baylor kind of tightened up and Michigan State really just jumped on them at that point and it was no looking back. I mean, 45 to 17 
and a half. I, what can you say about that? I mean, they, at that point, it was over. I mean, that's got to be some obscure record, like to be below right? five hundred, paying a top ten undefeated team to beat them forty five seventeen in the first half. Like, like, that's got to be some I, record. We'll yeah, get on that. <laughs> I yeah, it's like I I, I it got to halftime and I was like, cool, I'm going to flip to a new game because I mean, this is just going to be coast time the rest of the way. But, I mean, you got contributions from pretty much everyone. Like, yeah, obviously, uh, Tyson Walker led the way with 25. A.J. Hogard puts in 14 and probably one of his better outings of the season so far. He was kind of a little bit everywhere. And then from there, it was just kind of like bits and pieces from everyone else. I mean, this is a game that, you know, Tyson Walker played the most minutes at 31. I mean, they had 11 players score in this one. Um, I, I don't even know what kind of notes you can really have statistically in this, just because, I mean, it was, it was over from the beginning. And it, I think the most interesting thing that we're going to have to see is how Michigan state responds, because I think they're going to get a little bit of confidence going here, coming off of this game, game against Oakland next then Stony Brook and then Indiana state. And then it's back into big 10 play. So there's a non-zero chance that they could rattle off a few wins in a row here, start feeling pretty good, but it'll be, I think a little bit of time before they kind of get hit in the mouth again and, they might be able to get this thing rolling. Who knows? But I, like you mentioned, uh, Jr. That the the presence down low, I don't think is still quite where it needs to be. Um, especially as they get back into Big Ten play. I mean, they're really not getting much down there. I mean, even I mean Xavier Booker got eight minutes tonight, so I guess that's pretty good to see from him. He got he had seven, but I mean, my Sissoko, I felt like had a pretty decent game, but then I looked up and he was one of two from the field, four points um Millie Call only had five uh Carson Cooper only had I mean only had eight I mean this was I still need to see more from Michigan State's uh front court I also get confused sometimes <laughs> just to get back into Big Ten play because I think in this game it was like they were running all over the floor you didn't need that much from them this is a game you could let Tyson Walker go for 25 and walk out with an almost you know 20 a 24 point win but I, I need to see more from that front court before I, I declare them back well, and they were they were serviceable in this game. Exactly, I think that yeah, was the biggest right. thing. Um, Michigan State, you know, I, I always say that you know, good defense feeds your offense. When you play good defense, you sound on defense, and you get on offense, you have the confidence to go, you know, get a bucket, make a play. Um, Tyson Walker's offense fed everything else on this Michigan State team this game. I mean, the dude was just going down, uh, you know, crossover, crossover behind the back, fading away, shoot the three pointer, make, and it just seemed like. The entire team was like, okay, we're not losing this game. We're not going to let it happen because Tyson Walker is literally playing out of his mind right now. Um, and I just, I, it is one of those rare cases where an offense can feed a defense in these games. Um, and I don't know if it's, if that's sustainable. I don't know if that can keep on happening. I, I question whether I should ever doubt Tom Izzo again. I know it's not a smart thing to do. Uh, but I'm right there with you, Dakota. I look at this front court and I'm like, you were serviceable. You, you know, that was fine. But are you going to be able to get away with a serviceable, you know, uh, a front court in the Big Ten? I mean, we just saw Nebraska have two players and we'll talk about them later. We just saw Nebraska have two players combining, combining, get 30 rebounds. Michigan State had 27 in this game. Two guys on Nebraska had more rebounds in their game than all of Michigan State had in their game. So, Listen, I, I want Tom Izzo to do well. I think Tom Izzo is a storied coach, and I want him to do well, and I want him to be able to make these things happen. But at the end of the day, it's like, yes, Tyson Walker went off, but is this sustainable? Can Tyson Walker put up 25 and just go out of his mind shooting in these games? And can A.J. Hogarth continue to be the passer that he needs to be and run this offense so that way he gets other guys involved? I think he can. We saw it last year. I think it can happen. Um, I think Xavier Booker finally made it onto the floor. That was nice to see what he put in like eight minutes and had seven points or something like that. I, yep. Just to check. Yeah. He played eight minutes and had seven points, put the dude out there, let him play. I know he didn't get, uh, he didn't get a single rebound, but at the end of the day, like he still had more points than Sissoko still had more points than hall. So I don't know. Uh, Russ, do you have any thoughts on Xavier Booker? Should he be playing more? Am I off there? Uh, the front court, any thoughts on that? I mean, you know, one, approach i always have with purdue basketball and there's been a lot of controversy over who should start and who shouldn't get minutes and how good is ethan morton how good was brandon newman you know etc cetera, etc cetera. you know matt payne and tom Izzo get paid millions of dollars to do what they do i guarantee you they know better than we do so there's something going on there he's gonna 
you know, do you think Izzo wants to win more than anybody else on that team? Yeah. So he's going to do what gives them the best chance to win and the best chance to have success in the long term. So trust the process. You know, does it make sense? No, I agree. It doesn't make sense. And I understand that the, especially when your record is four and five going into this game, like I understand like, hey, switch it up. But it's Tom Izzo, you know, you got, you know, until he, you know, has that season where they win single digit games, miss the tournament, then it's like, okay, the game's passed him up. Until he has that moment at the end of the season, don't doubt him. So, and then pour one out for his kid, right? Steven Izzo finally had a chance to get his first game. <laughs> that was awesome. First points in the college game and 0 for 2 from the free throw line, man. Mm, that's <laughs> tough. That <laughs> rough, tough. Rough. Got a rebound, though. Hey, got a rebound. That's... So, st- he was in the box score. So. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll move on from there. Uh, we will, before we move on, and let you know about CBB Analytics. CBB Analytics gives you all of the information you need. I, I, I can't, when I was looking at CBB Analytics for the game recap on this one, it was really funny because one of the cool things they get, they do is they give you like a score streaks graph. Um, and it shows you kind of like a bar graph of, you know, this team scored this many points. Um, I can't even read what the score streak was of the very first like long score streak for Michigan State because it was literally just like off the chart. And then it was six, eight, nine after that. So, you know, that all contributed to this, what, what would we say, 45 to 17 first half? Because um, it, it literally, I kid you not, it's completely off the chart. Um, and the score differential is funny because at that same moment, like, they literally had to enlarge the box. So, basically, they broke CBB analytics, which is really, really hard to do because it's a great site. gives you a lot of great information. Uh, Frank uses it over at Boiler Express. Um, do you do you have it too, Russ, or is it just Frank? Yeah, I've taken some looks at it. Um, I don't necessarily have the free time on my hands that he does, but uh, it's it's a lot of cool stuff over there. If you've ever wanted to know, you know, any kind of stat any extensive stat and you want to know not just that but how they stack up with the rest of the country you know to sit there and look at 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 ed and see how his offensive rebound percentage is the 100th percentile in the country it's like yeah that dude truly is elite you know you want to see stuff like that that's really cool yeah it's funny when you go to ed's page it's like 198 100 100 it's just insane it's like oh yeah he's national player of the year um Mm -hmm. so yeah anyway go check out cbb analytics it's paid it's free whatever you want to do over there a lot of great stuff check them out all right, guys. Chris Holtman breaks a clipboard, bloody hand and all, just going at it. Mick Cronin does Mick Cronin things, slows the game down, just, you know, very defensive ball to really frustrate the guards of Ohio State. Ohio State eventually comes away with the win, but it was not an easy one. I know this UCLA team is only five and four, but I, I got to give this team credit. I think UCLA is a better team than maybe they, they are going to get credit for. I could see them upsetting a few teams in the Pac-12. I could see them slipping in to the NCAA tournament. I'm not saying they're a great team. I'm not saying this is a great win. But this is this is what you wanted to see after the Penn State game. Uh, Ohio State come back, make a, make a statement like this, and come away with it. Um, Dakota, what were some of your thoughts on Ohio State's win? Yeah, absolutely. It was a. This is honestly a great win for Ohio State and the a very a storied Big Ten rivalry matchup with UCLA Bruins. Uh, oh wait, no, that starts next year. But uh, <laughs> no, honestly, I was watching this game and we'll go with defensive slugfest in this yeah. one for sure. As uh, UCLA goes one of nine from three, and Ohio State falls it up with a a timely. Uh, uh, to be fair, a very timely one of fifteen. Uh, with their lone three coming, I think with like forty something odd seconds left to really kind of push this one out of, out of it, so it came at the perfect time. But I think honestly, this was a great win for Ohio State. I mean, they showed exactly what they're going to need to do as they also prepare to get back into Big Ten play. Of can you win ugly? It's the classic Big Ten phrase of can you grind out these types of games where um, it's really going to be close. No one's going to make really large runs. And it's all going to come down to who can you know, take care of the ball, who can get the shots when they need it to, and who's going to make the least amount of uh, mistakes down the stretch. Um, I saw a lot of really nice things on this one in my, in my notes. I actually um, checked afterwards. It really wasn't uh, quite the box score for uh, Felix Akbar. 10 points, you know, four boards, an assist, and two blocks. I thought you, oh, he put in some really good minutes, a really hard-fought 23 minutes tonight. I was really impressed to see what he was able to do to frustrate UCLA's bigs. Um, now UCLA doesn't have the most elite bigs out there, but I mean, Adam Bona is a, a monster, uh, just physicality. Um, so I think he was able to frustrate him kind of a lot and really use his athleticism and length to disrupt a lot of stuff down low for UCLA. So really good one from him. And then other than that, I mean, it was just very balanced. Jameson Battle gives you 14. Akpara gives you 10. Um, Thornton gives you 13. Ryan Gale Jr., fantastic game with 19. I mean, this was just all about tough shot making, who can get the stops, and 
come out on top. I was very impressed. Yeah, and I think at the end of the game, you really saw Ohio State finally get that confidence, finally be able to pull ahead, um, which is hard to do against UCLA. Like we talked about, uh, they, they play a slower pace. They play really, really good defense. And so when you can finally make that happen, and this was like a homecoming game for Bruce Thornton. He's kind of from this area, so uh, he, he had his family there. He didn't have his best game in the world. Seven rebounds, led the team in that. So, you know, that was really good for him, especially as a guard. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think the story of this game is Ohio State did what they had to do to survive. Kind of felt like a tournament game a little bit. Boy, it was sleepy. Uh, going from <laughs> going from the um, what was the game I was watching before? I forget what it wasn't a Big Ten game, but I went from a different game uh, to this one, and I was like, man, are, is there anybody alive? Oh, we got to get some fans in there. It I mean, sounded I know, like COVID. <laughs> I I remember I turned the game on. I was like, there's no way. It looked like there was. I could individually pick out where people were sending us like i know everyone was excited about kentucky unc after that but i mean we got to get some people in there it was it was a covid sleepy game for yeah sure. it felt like everybody that was there to see kentucky and unc which uh you know those are those are two big brands so i uh, yeah. can't complain about that but yeah it was it was definitely a sleeper russ what were some of your thoughts on this one yeah to, to second what you said jr you know ucla's 48th in ken palm i know you know some people trash that and they don't want to put any Greens and that, but it's usually pretty consistent and it's usually pretty accurate when you look at the teams that make the final four, the teams that make the sweet 16, and like 13 of the 16 sweet 16s are top 20 Ken Palms. And Ohio State's 26 in the Ken Palms. So they're, you know, they're still respectable, you know, as far as even the, the struggles that they've had. And, and you're, you know, you're nine and two. Like, what, what are you worried about as far as like how, how bad the season you think is going? But, um, you know, the, the lead, though, but don't bury the lead here. This might have been the best uniform and four combination oh, of a game all year. Like, I, I wish more teams did this. More teams would wear color uniforms. You know, I, I saw the football season, you know, USC and UCLA is like the big color game, uniform game. Like, why do teams not do this more often and just make the game look that much better? Like, that was that was awesome to see. But, but yeah, Roddy Gale has been quite the revelation for you all this year. Like, everybody thought it was going to be the Thornton year and he was going to lead you all, but – you know, and, and Zed Key coming back, who, what was he going to bring to the table? But Roddy Gale, you know, 19.6 of 11, 7 of 8 from the free throw line has has been quite the revelation. And I don't know, this is another record, right? Like, when's the last time you've seen a combined 8% from the three-point line and both teams in the 60s? Like, how does that happen? Like, oh. this is the kind of game you'd expect to be 47 to 40, not 67 right. to 60. Like, how did they score that many points? I don't get it. And no overtime as well. Yeah. So it's, it's not like it yeah. was 48, 48. And then they you know, squeaked over 60. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I think this was a huge thing for Ohio state to struggle offensively like they did and really be able to clamp down on defense. Now uh, Bona missed some easy ones down low that I feel like, you know, could have really hurt Ohio state. Uh, but at the end of the day, they were able to get it done. Um, Felix Akpara, I really liked his intensity. He had some really, really dumb fouls, and Bill Raffrey was was pointing them out. Uh, and I was I was agreeing with him. Like some of them were just really, really dumb fouls. But at the end of the day, they did what they had to do. Zed Key didn't have his best game ever. He played 17 minutes, only had three points, um, added three rebounds to that as well. But uh, I think the other big story here was Dale Bonner you know, was able to play and give good minutes and make a lot of things happen uh, on the floor for him. Only had six points, played 22 minutes, but um, he was able to make a lot of things happen for Ohio State, give them a lot of chances. Not everything that he made happen turned into points, uh, but you, I think you, you're starting to see him kind of come into his own a little bit more. I'm still going to be uh, very critical of Evan Mahaffey. Uh, dude's got to score more than two points if he's in the starting lineup. I know. I, I, I agree, Russ. The coaches know more than me, but I'm also looking at this and I'm like, dude, I, I'm glad that you can play defense. Give me, give me more than two points. So, um, it, it was definitely, definitely an interesting one there to say the least. So Dakota, you have any more thoughts on this one before we move on? Uh, I think the only thing left is, yes, this is a very good win for Ohio State, but to play devil's advocate a little bit is we've seen teams in the past win these tight, white-knuckle type of games where you can't really shoot. But I think the biggest question is going to be how they come out and spawn next time. How do they come out? Can they come out against New Orleans? Garanin, New Orleans, perfect opportunity to kind of get back rolling on offense a little bit. But that's always what I look for in these types of games where you go one for um, from beyond the arc and kind of really struggle to get that outside shot making is can you get back to that starting next time out just make this a blip and granted yes it is against ucla very tough nosed you know style of defense and they're going to make you earn everything but you don't want to get uh too down in the weeds uh, with only relying on playing those kind of physical 
kind of game. So I'm interested to see what they can do next time. Oh, believe me, Dakota, nobody is waiting for the <laughs> slump harder than I am. I know January <laughs> is coming and it's like, you know, the winter is coming and everything's just going to be sad. So <laughs> let's hope Chris Holtman can uh, get him out of that and not have it this year. So, all right, let's move on to the next one. Northwestern comes back from Chicago State and wins this one 56 to 46. Now, DePaul is not the best team in the world, not a great team, but, um, you know, they were able to come back and they were able to, uh, they didn't even put up 60, but they played good, solid defense, was able to make some things happen. Russ, what were some of your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think they're 215th in Ken Palm is DePaul. So, yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to see a 10 point win against a team like that. You want to see a 30 point win, but a win's a win. Um, you know, Langford is turning out to be a more consistent score than Boo Booey. You know, Boo Booey's his big thing is, you know, and, and Purdue fans want to get all upset that well, how do we let him go off for 31? How do that's just what some elite Agreed. guards do when they're elite offensively. Like they yeah. they have big blow up games and then they're down. Like you look at his last six games, and three times he had 23 or more points, and three times he was at eleven or less, including two single single digit games. So, you know, if Boo Booey can get consistent. You know, if, if he can consistently give you like he averages 18 a game, but he's never at 18. Right. Like he's only right. he's either going off or he's, he's doing nothing. And, you know, he needs to be consistent for them to have a chance to to be successful in the Big Ten and make the tournament and make a run. You know, he's got the talent. Um, there's no question about that. But, you know, it's it's just, you know, you talk about four from 14 from the field, one of seven from three, like you know, against DePaul, like not against Purdue, not against Ohio State, not against, against a top team. Like you've got to be able to shoot well against a low team like that. Like if, if you can't get consistent, I, I would be worried as a Northwestern fan right now. Like it's cool to beat Purdue. It's great. Like, but everybody's going to get up for Purdue. It's like he used all his energy, all his XP points to play <laughs> Purdue and go off. And then now he's got nothing left. So. Spent all of his virtual currency on the power ups for the Purdue game. <laughs> right, right. And now he's regressing with the fatigue. So, uh, Dakota, what were some of your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of a lot of the same stuff. Um, coming off of, uh, I'm just gonna, a bad Chicago State loss. It's going on the road to a DePaul team that one of their two wins is against Louisville, right? Mm-hmm. Is a win in that one. I didn't watch that game. I really should have. Oh, that's a sickos game if you've ever seen one. But right. nonetheless, if you uh, bet it, you're really a sickos. Oh my god! If you bet that game, <laughs> oh boy. But uh, but yeah, man. You want to talk about sleepy game? I mean, this was. I again, Purdue hangover. I mean, it's kind of like what I said with Ohio State. It's like, can you go off that Purdue game or that Chicago State game, and can you get back on track? Yes, they won. They scored fifty six. Bowie four of fourteen, one of seven. I think the most. Worst things that you could see from Boo Booey's set line. It's only two of two from the free throw line. You're telling me Boo Booey, who's all about getting to the rim, getting contact, making tough shots, is only going to the free throw line two times? I mean, Northwestern only went to the line seven times as a team. They hit six of seven. But, I mean, you look on the other side, I mean, DePaul kind of kept this in the game because they went 16 of 19 from the free throw line. Right. I, it just, it, I watched back this game, and I think just the most of my notes was just, where's where's the fire? It's like we said, you, everyone's going to get up for Purdue, but can you get up for DePaul in a sleepy, you know, Sunday afternoon? And it just you you don't see that, and I don't think you're, you're, they're going to be able to play games like this and kind of take that step. A lot of us saw after that Purdue game, they were playing very well, knock off number one Purdue at home, and everyone's kind of starting to look and go, and they get ranked twenty fifth, and everyone's kind of like, can they take that next step? But then they go and lose to Chicago State. Then you go to DePaul and play a sleepy almost under a hundred over under total. This is just, right. I, this team has got to get that, that fight back. It's, I, I mean, obviously they won good job. You didn't drop two in a row to pretty bad teams. All respect to DePaul and Chicago state I mean, Chicago state beat them fair and square, but I mean, a 10 point road win over DePaul, you're going to take every true road game that you can get, but I might, I might be kind of waxing a, a bit negative towards Northwestern, but I mean, I, I don't think you can have more of a, a regression than knocking off Purdue at home and then kind of having the next two games. And they, they got to get whatever mojo they need back. I don't know. Bubui needs to dream of Braden Smith uh, opposite of him every uh, before every game. But he's got to get back to being that aggressive self and really take an initiative. Um, but they won. I, I guess that's what I can give them that. I, I can give them that. You know, not everyone can say that. I don't know. Apparently, I'm, I'm pretty down on Northwestern as I kept ranting on there. But uh but yeah, they got to get that figured out. I don't think you're going to be able to take this kind of play into Big Ten play. And as down as the Big Ten is, I don't think they would fare very well the way they're playing right now. 
Well, and I think it's it's natural that when because you guys are both obviously Purdue fans, it, when you see your team lose to somebody, you you almost like inherently want to see that team do well because then it like almost validates the loss. Like, oh, well, that's why you know they they're they're just a good team, and, and we lost to a good team. Um, but when you see your team lose to Northwestern, who goes out and drops one to Chicago State, and then goes out and you know only beats DePaul by ten, and it doesn't seem like they're able to get anything going, it's like really? We lost to this team? You know, like, this, this is who we lost to? I mean, I, I think it's natural to get into that to, to get into that uh, phase, um, but I think you, you just have to look at it and say Northwestern did exactly what a team needs to do to beat Purdue, which is that they threw every single big man possible at Zach Eady, got him fouled out, and just made life for Zach Eady miserable, and Boo Booey just, just played out of his mind they had a guy just really go off and and play out of his mind uh they're not going to be able to do that every single game uh and you're exactly right russ they you know boo boo averages 18 points but how often does he actually score 18 that's you know that's a false average so uh but i do want to point out one guy in this game and and a little bit of trivia for you guys so or not trivia i guess stats for you guys because stats are brought to you by cbb analytics um who currently leads he plays for northwestern who currently leads the Big Ten in assist to turnover ratio. He plays for Northwestern. He's in the starting lineup. Is it Langborg? No, it's not Langborg. Langborg had well, he didn't have any turnovers this game, so that would have been a good guess. Yeah, uh, he's he is up there at tenth, I think. There's three guys for Northwestern in the top ten. No, it is. Matthew Nicholson, the seven footer. I was looking at his stats. I was like, he had no turnovers and, yeah. you know, one assist, but I was like, it, it. he averages 11 and a half assists per turnover. <laughs> but what's, is that how many assists he's had all year? Like he's had like 11 yeah, assists. Uh, up. <laughs> I think he's had two, two turnovers this year. Oh, I can only look at his average. So, yeah. oh no, two turnovers this year, 23 assists. So, yeah. <laughs> he had a turnover in game one and a turnover against Chicago State, and that's it. Yeah. So, not bad. Hey. Uh, and you guys will be happy. Who's number two? That's got to be off, Ethan comes Morton. Off the, yep, there you go. Yeah, I'll say it's got to be Ethan, off the bench yeah. for Purdue. <laughs> he doesn't, I mean, I love Ethan Morton. I'm an Ethan Morton truther. Yeah. But yeah, one thing he doesn't do a lot is bad turnovers. So, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's big yeah, and I'll say that with uh, you know, with like you were you were talking about offensive production and not having to be an offensive liability, and defense is great, and I get that, but I feel like a lot of teams are are moving towards that strategy of having a defensive shutdown guy because you don't want your offensive threats getting fouled out, you don't want to have that happen, and you right. don't want them extending a lot of energy on defense, right? Like you want them using the energy on offense. So having those defensive specialists is, I think, huge now in today's college game. So. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get too much on coaches for putting that guy in there that only averages like one or two points a game in the starting lineup. Like, there's a purpose for that. But I love to get on coaches, Russ. <laughs> Getting on coaches, is we what all do. That's what we do. It's all about. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we do. We yell at the coaches. Who I love to get on my random podcast and just yell yeah. about coaches. I, I don't so know. I, one of the funniest coaches shows last year with Painter. I don't know if you listened to this one, Dakota. Was when some guy called in when we were ranked number oh, one, yeah, and that. he's like, "I'm so and so from this group tailgate, and I just want to say, you know, it's a great job, you're number one." But then lists off this laundry <laughs> list of like, "This is what I think we need to work on, though." And and Painter was pretty gracious about it, but oh, it's just he, like he took it like a champ. <laughs> this dude's like making five million a year. He's number one in the country, and he's gonna take notes from you and go, "Yeah, let me change this." Uh-huh. Change yeah, was it wasn't one of the things that in that call about playing zone? I remember there was a big contingent last year who were like, "Purdue needs to play his own." Like, yeah. no, you don't, you don't want that. I promise you don't have to. You don't. Um, one dude we did uh, forget to mention for Northwestern though, is uh, Nick Martelli, uh, 16 points then. in this game, five great rebounds. Game. Uh, yeah, just great game for him. Six of 10, uh, only one for four from behind the three point arc, but, but yeah, uh, it was a great game from him. He really uh, contributed a lot and helped them out. Um, they really didn't get much from their bench other than him i think they got two points from preston and that was it other than martelli that was that was really all they got from their bench so um look out for northwestern who knows what they'll do week to week one week they can beat the number one team in the nation the next week they can lose to chicago state uh i'm afraid when we play them and i'm also like kind of joyful when we play them i don't know how it's gonna work out uh one of the two will happen so we'll have to get the wild chat on here at some point to explain that to us but all right let's move on to our last one 
my favorite game oh. of the weekend. I loved watching this game. Nebraska takes it to Jerome Tang in the Wildcats at Kansas State, 62-46. to 46. Uh, You heard us mention it earlier. Rank Mast and uh, and Juwan Gary just absolutely went off on the boards combined for 30 rebounds. The dudes were absolutely insane, crazy. Um, I I have a question I want to ask later, but but I'm going to give you guys the floor to talk about the game first. Dakota, what were some of your thoughts on this game? Very impressed with Nebraska in this one. It was it was kind of touch and go there for a little bit. I mean, they're down three going into the half, but then they absolutely sat on Kansas State. And I think a little bit had to do with Kansas State not being able to knock down some pretty good looks. And Nebraska was definitely doing a good job of knocking down those tougher shots. Um, But I think that's just kind of part of it. They really locked in defensively. And then when you have two guys gobbling up 30 of your team's 52 rebounds, um, you're not going to do much. And they also, um, Gary, 11 offensive rebounds. (laughs) He had a double-double with offensive rebounds alone. I mean, when you get 11 extra possessions for your team in a game like this, a true road game at Kansas State, um, that's going to be massive. Um, They came out and they did exactly what you need to do. Now, I don't know if Kansas State's going to score only 46 at home um, again this season, um, but I was very impressed with Nebraska in this one. They got also got a bit of a, a balanced scoring effort, so it really wasn't like, I mean, Mass went off for 19, but I mean, Gary had 13. Tominaga only had nine, but it was on three threes. Um, Williams with 10. It was just, it was a very balanced effort. And I'm very impressed with Nebraska because I think the thing with Nebraska, especially these last couple of years, is they'll have these softer non conference schedules where they'll lose their big games. And then you kind of shrug and go, okay, well, they lost against Creighton at Creighton, or, you know, even though they won there. But, um, this was a big one that I, I had circled this weekend of, is this Nebraska team a little bit for real? I mean, they they played very well so far at the beginning of the season, and I was very impressed that they come out with a 62-46 win, true road game. I think the, we may need to start talking about potential bubble team Nebraska. Not confident to say that as of right now, but I mean, beating Michigan State at home, getting that win before apparently Michigan State decided they wanted to try again, that win could potentially go a long way. Um, that might go right at the top, and if they can kind of play this kind of scrappy, you never know who's going to give it to you, 30 off, thirty boards from your front court. I think that's something we got to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to know the last time a guy who's 6'6 got 11 rebounds in a game. I mean, you know, rank mass, he got he got 12 rebounds. The, the dude's 6'10". You're going to expect that. Uh, but Juwan Gary, 6'6", 11 offensive rebounds. Like, that's just insane to me. He was he had a high motor in this game, was just going after every single ball. And you love to see it. I mean, that's that's what you need to see some, from some of these teams like Nebraska. It's just a guy who has an insane motor, who's going to go after the ball, and the energy and the drive to want to compete and win every single game. Uh, that's what you got got in uh, Nebraska. And it's, it's really, really cool to see. Uh, Kansas State only had, what, 12 points in the second half. So, I mean, like you said, Dakota, they just sat on him and just said in the second half, this is our game. We're making it happen. Uh, Russ, what were some of your thoughts on this uh, game? Yeah, since you like stats and trivia questions and you just mentioned a short guy <laughs> getting rebounds, I, I gave you a hint there, but you know you know who's second on Purdue in rebounds? Oh, I boy. Do. Your favorite guy. Braden Smith? Yeah, Braden yeah. Smith. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you know I, I wouldn't say it's too – yeah, I wouldn't say it's too rare because, like, a lot of times those smart outside players – they know where to be, where the ball is going to come off, and and they're right there to make the play. But um, yeah, Nebraska. I might go one step further, Dakota, and say that they might be a, a top four team in the Big Ten. Ooh, they get a double oh. buy. I mean, oh. they are they Don't are forty second. The <laughs> they are forty second in Ken Palm. You know, they're the sixth highest team in the Big Ten in Ken Palm. You know, and like Ohio State. I mean, I think they're a tier below Ohio State, so I'm not going to compare them. You know, one for one, but. You know, they're nine and two. They've got some power five wins. They're a balanced team. Is it just that between them and Ohio State, the guy you thought was going to lead them didn't lead them? You know, now it's the Rinkmast and Jawan Gary show instead of Tominaga leading the way. It's not Thornton leading the way. It's Roddy Gale. Like, is that is that what it kind of comes down to? Because, you know, they're a very solid ball club. And I, I don't I mean, I'd go you know, like I said further to say that they're in the tournament and might be a top four Big Ten team. Um, not even on the bubble. They might get like a seven, eight seed um, and have a chance to make the sweet 16. Um, because they, you know, they're just playing, like you said, very balanced, very consistent basketball. And those are the kind of teams that they can almost can be harder to, to, to get out in March because they're, who do you shut down? You know, you shut down one guy, they've got three other guys that could go off for 15 points. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd be very optimistic if I was a Nebraska fan as well. 100%. 
I agree. Um, so here's my question, and we'll go to you first on this, Dakota. Kasai Tamanaga is obviously, you know, the face of this Nebraska team who's everybody wants to talk about, and I'm not trying to disparage him at all because he had a good game, and he's obviously uh, a very energetic part of this team. But, you know, nine points, that was the fourth most points on the starting lineup. Three of 11 shooting. We already covered that with Kalal Ware, and we thought that wasn't the best. Uh, three of nine from behind the arc. Rank Mass had 19, Juwan Gary had 13, Bryce Williams almost had a double-double himself. We didn't even mention that, 10 and 9. Um, at a certain point, is it time for Rank Mass to take over as the face of this team over Kasai Tamanaga? Potentially. I mean, I think the biggest thing that Tamanaga has is going for him, which is exactly the reason that I fell in love with him, is that I'm always going to love a kid who is just so obvious he loves playing ball. Yes, you see every time he hits a big three that it's just the greatest thing to him. He looks like he's having so much fun every time he's out there. And I'm I'm wondering if he's that guy who silently maybe potentially is like, yeah, all eyes on me. I'll take nine threes. I'll hit three of them. That's fine enough. Uh, my dude over here is going for 19 and 12. Yeah. My other dude over here is going for 10 and nine. We got 13 and 18 over here, too. But all eyes on him. I mean, he goes three for 11. But I think that just means that eyes are on him i mean their defenses are focusing on him and then you got rank master over here you got gary over here you got williams over here i think for him i think if you're nebraska i hope you almost you keep hoping that he's the face and every once in a while he's going to have that game where instead of three for nine he's six for nine and it's going to look like the best thing ever and so you almost wonder it's just like yeah keep uh, eyes right here is your guys over here right. putting in work so Keep looking at me while Rank Mast uh, just destroys you on the boards. And exactly. Juan Gary is uh, Energizer Bunny. He goes gets everything. So, uh, Russ, do you have any thoughts on that with Kasai Tamanaga, face of the team? Yeah, I wouldn't say he's the face of the team anymore. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say Rink Mast is the face of the team. I, th- I just think they're a balanced team. So, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe it's just the team photo is the face of the team. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. the difference between Tamanaga and somebody like Boo Boo is he's got a crew that can pick him up when he's when he's not hitting and he's not going to shoot 23 pointers if he's you know you know three for nine is still 33 percent you know it's not terrible you're not going one for 15 Ohio State but um no I mean you know <laughs> thanks it's <laughs> but no I think it's just it's a balanced attack it's a balanced team I don't think there's one guy that's the face of the program anymore but you know like Dakota said he, he is very very fun to watch play basketball though like you can't be upset watching him play and and, and at a certain point we have to give Fred Hoiberg his flowers. I mean, I, this was a guy that I thought had a very likely chance of being fired last year. I felt like he kind of saved his job. I don't know what his buyout was. I didn't check that. You know, that's that's stuff other people check. But um, but but I did feel like at the end of the season, I was like, man, if this guy doesn't turn around, it very possibly could be fired. And he did turn around. They won like six of their last seven at the end of the year last year. So that helped him. But uh, Fred Hoiberg, he, he could be putting on his Chris Collins effort this season and, and having Nebraska be a top four, maybe three, four, two team in the big 10. Uh, that's obviously reaching huge heights, but I mean, we saw Northwestern do it last year, so it's possible. Uh, yeah. That's, that's the thing with the big 10 is, you know, the difference between second place and 10th place could be two games at the end of the year. So, right. you know, like Very you true. said, it, you could be there. So, yeah. And they started off there. Uh, I think it was their first, Correct me if I'm wrong, but they started off their first conference game with a, a win on the road uh, at East Lansing in the Breslin Center. So, I mean, I that, I think was that, that was in Lincoln. Oh, it was in Lincoln. Okay. Oh, but still, yeah, I mean, they lost, they lost to Minnesota State. in their opener, but yeah. 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 Okay. That, one, that yeah. one's going to hold you back a little bit, yeah. I think. All That's right. Well, thanks for proving me wrong, guys. This is the uh, this is the knowledge of a Purdue fan versus an Ohio State fan. Hey, well, you got us on some stats. We had to get you back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> I was just really proud of the Matthew Nicholson uh, <laughs> eleven and a half assist to turnover. So that's, yeah. that's a good stat. Yeah, good All right, uh, you guys got any more thoughts about the Big Ten or anything before we uh, head on out of here? Good weekend for the Big Ten. I think it was the kind of weekend the Big Ten needed. Um, they kind of missed on a lot of those marquee games. And uh, I know that we still don't have that many of them, but I mean, good good weekend for the for the conference as they as they start getting ready for Big Ten play again. I agree, I agree. Russ, any final thoughts? Yeah, we're getting ready for some you know some of those sleeper bye games. So you know, enjoy some college bowl games, and then when January hits, you're going to see some some Big Ten basketball. It's going to be competitive. Yeah, this year might just be one of the most fun years to watch in Big Ten Big Ten ball, just because it seems like everyone. It feels like for the first time in a very long time, the Big Ten isn't having this perception of being very, like, very strong, kind of top to bottom, and so, which isn't necessarily incorrect, I would say, in my opinion. But I think these kinds of years, maybe outside the top, 
knock on wood, um, could see a lot of good basketball games night in, night out. Well, and, and we'll talk about this um, in a couple episodes because I'll have Nick and um, who else do I have? I don't know. I have another guy coming on or we're going to talk about our like midseason uh, rankings and stuff like that. But it had me thinking, I mean, can anybody confidently say who the worst team in the Big Ten is this year? I mean, my first thought is Penn State, but Iowa's also not looking so hot. Michigan, I know Juwan Howard came back, and that's good for them. Um, so, you know, there possibly could be something there. Maryland's, you know, coming back a little bit, but they still don't look great. Um I mean, can either of you say confidently, like, yeah, this is the worst team in the Big Ten and they're going to finish last? Confidently, no. This year, more than any, I think, feels like there's those pods. Right? Yeah. Like you have this group of four teams at the bottom. You have, like, a wax boat again, Purdue at the top, and then, like, the next group of like, two or three, and then the next group of three or four, and then the next group of three or four. And it's just, it, I don't I don't think you can. Yeah. Each team's shown some fight. Yeah, I think we're in for another one of those seasons where every win is going to matter. Absolutely. And it's going to come down to, you know, you come the last week of the season, and if you win your last game, you're the three seed, and if you lose it, you're the 11 seed. Like I, the I can't wait for those graphs, yeah. the, the big graphs with all the percentages. That's going to be the wildest graph this year. For yeah. sure. I would say it's probably Minnesota, but Minnesota beat Nebraska, so I don't even know if yeah. I can say that. I mean, it, and they're 8-3. It, I know they haven't played anybody, but still. They're fighting. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like they're, they're fighting. It's... Yeah, I mean – Iowa, they just they lost three in a row. Uh, yeah. Iowa, but that was a... Purdue, Iowa State, and Michigan. Um, but still, I mean, they lost a good team. So I don't know. I, I I can't confidently say who the worst team in the Big Ten is. I can confidently say who the best team in the Big Ten is. I'll let you guys figure that out for your, yourselves. Um, and then kind of there in the middle, it's just like, who is it? Um, so interesting episode coming up. I think it's Wednesday. I'm going to do that with Nick. Uh, and then we're also going to do a, a player draft. So, uh, come back for that one. Let us know in the comments who you'll be, uh, drafting as well. We are going to appreciate that and have fun with that. Uh, and we'll move on from there. Thanks so much for joining us guys. And thank you for watching the big 10 huddle. Have a great night.